Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Muy buenos días, feliz viernes, bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour aquí en Startup Radio Network. Les damos la bienvenida este diciembre 7, eso nos fue el año. Y pues ha sido un año muy, muy exitoso. Hemos tenido historias excelentes, uh, muy fascinantes, inspiradoras. Y el día de hoy, bueno, tenemos un, una invitada especial. Eh, increíble historia. Espero no se lo pierdan. Uh, pero hoy lo vamos a hacer en inglés. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Latino Founder Hour. This is Edgar Navas, uh, founder of Clica here in Portland, Oregon, and Olón Boussoulet, our sound engineer. Thank you, for everybody, for, to, for joining us. And today we have Elizabeth Varkas, Vargas. Uh, welcome, Elizabeth. Are you, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of Edge Music Network, the digital MTV. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. And uh, you're in Newport Beach. Uh, is that correct? Yes, um, I am calling from the beach itself right now, so I'm very excited to uh, see some sunshine. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, we're seeing some sunshine. Like I was tell telling you earlier, yeah, but it's it's this frightening cold. It's, it's starting to drop, and you know, definitely tomorrow is going to start to rain, so it's going to start not being so cool here. But um, welcome, Elizabeth. You were pretty excited. We've been, you know, looking at, we're looking forward for this interview all week, uh, you know, because we, you know, we work in the music industry as well. Uh, you know, not you know, not directly in the music, but technology, and you know, we're super pumped about uh, about your story. So, wh where do we begin? Who's Elizabeth Vargas? Well, Elizabeth Vargas is an aspiring young entrepreneur who wanted to own MTV since she was 13, and every decision she's made up until then um, has been towards that one goal. And having that goal in mind for years has got me where I am today, which is owning a pre-digital MTV with the goals of owning an actual MTV soon. And just building it from the ground up. Yeah, I saw that. That, you, that, that was your dream as a child. Like, I, I want to own this, but like, really, how am I going to get there? So what were those steps? I mean, you know, to, the concrete steps that you took to start building your dream and executing on that vision? Well, I didn't come from an affluent family. My father, um, uh, yeah, you know, and his father from Mexico, uh, and they... You know, they were more church going, um, and my father wanted me to be a preacher. <laughs> oh, okay. Because uh, he was a preacher, and what ended up happening was I, you know, I joined the choir, and I loved the music part of it, so I was an accordion player. And then we ended up, uh, you know, I kind of saw how music really made people smile and laugh, and then um, I guess when I was 13 was the first time I was allowed to watch TV, and I actually saw MTV. And it was uh, Give Peace a Chance online, and or not online, on television. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the impact it had on people that were, they were just happy and they were, they were uh, together. And I said, you know, I want to own that, Papa. And he says, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Por qué no? And, uh, yeah. So, you know. 
throughout my life. Um, I just always, it stuck with me being able to see that one um, group uh, community song being filmed and played on an actual television set. And I said, God, I have to own that. So you know, the first step was, well, you know, let me just get to know music. So, of course, you know, I went to, um, instead of going to be a preacher, I decided to go in, in, in or my father was also a, an engineer. I went into, um, I went into music college. So I, I, I forced myself to work four jobs and, and uh, I auditioned for Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle um, after I moved from Missouri to Seattle. And then I ended up um, getting in. And somehow, uh, grace of God, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then oh they, uh, yeah, then they, I had no money. Um, I just got in and then I was like, okay, now how am I going to pay for this? <laughs> yeah. So that's the first, my, my, my world, first world problem. So I, I'm in. So it wasn't, yeah, except, yeah so you're just like, okay, now what, right? <laughs> oops. What, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I figured if I understood music, I could get to own that MTV. You know, if I understood what an artist went through. So I was a jazz vocal major and then um, I, you know, I worked four different restaurant jobs. It was insane. And then ended up being able to make some tuition and, you know, not all of it. Obviously, I owed getting out of it. But um, and then uh, then after that, I ended up continuing and and realizing, you know, I lived in Seattle at the time that there wasn't much of a, a good scene in Seattle as far as where I wanted to be. So I ended up uh, always coming to California to work with the artists and try and understand, you know, and singing circuits and singing everywhere. And I realized as an artist, I couldn't make any money. And <laughs> so oh. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm not making any money here, uh, but I guess this is what artists go through. So the whole time I wasn't making any money, I realized, well, that's not my goal. My goal is to own MTV, right? Not to be an artist. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! So, so 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 you started, but but you started a group, and actually that, those were your first steps as an as an entrepreneur in Seattle with the uh, Vargas uh, Girls Jazz Club. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> you found that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, know we were doing some research. Like, I want to know a little bit if it's possible. You know, what was up with that? This is Seattle, and like, wow, this must have been fascinating back then. Yeah, back then it was great because there was these great – and Seattle's a very grungy, dark, CD company. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, yeah. CD, CD, CD. And, you know, it, I was uh, – first off, I was underage singing in nightclubs, um, pretending I was of age. Uh, okay. And so I ended up uh, being able to sing all over the place back up for a group. And it was awesome because I was, you know – just trying to make it. And then I realized, you know, okay, I can do this stage thing. Now let me do my own. And I, at that time, the internet was just you know, like kind of coming out and like YouTubes of the world, it's not the internet, but YouTubes and, and digital distribution of videos. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know, I could start a group somehow and I could, I could I could create something myself and I could learn how to do it a production so I started um, what was called the Vargas girls knowing that my name had clout because Vargas girls were painted uh, beautiful women on the b52 bombers and I was born very very Mexican and very curvy <laughs> I didn't know that all right so so a little bit of history yeah I didn't know that yeah okay. so I started it we sold out every single show in fact we were the first And, and it was more of a jazz, I'm, I was a jazz singer, so it was more of a jazz uh, 
uh, cabaret that was very classy. We never, you know, it was, we just kept it classy and that's what I wanted to do, but I want to learn how to do it. So I learned production, learned, I had, I had, um, over 30 women that sang for me, a big band, a sound crew, lighting crew. I got a gig at El Gaucho in Seattle. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so I learned all of the ins and outs, but then again, and I was generating revenue. So I was like, oh, this is perfect, but it's still not MTV. So what's my next step? <laughs> exactly. So, so that, but, yeah, but that I, was the start. I was like, okay, I'm into something. Yeah, you're making yeah. money. You, you, you know, you, you, you well, and you, you're following your passion, your career, and then how do you scale it from there? So, what yeah. was that? You know, so so then you eventually moved from Seattle to to California. Well, what happened was um, I was in Seattle and and I heard about this thing called Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and what that is is baseball fantasy camp for rock stars. And so, now keep in mind that nothing I'm doing is making me any money. Okay. <laughs> I'm still broke <laughs> and now I'm in debt and, I, and I'm on my own. <laughs> it's like, okay, my family doesn't have any money to give me to do anything. So I'm like, all right. Uh, so I hear about this get, I hear about this, this company that actually um, lets really rich people come in and play with their favorite rock star and pretend they're a rock star for a week. And I was like, that's cool. So Um, I ended up meeting the, the, the company, ended up getting my own gig and saying, well, let me host your live shows on stage. I could do this. And I'm thinking he's going to pay me, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Just hoping. I ended, meeting, I ended up doing it for him on every single show, and but I ended up not getting paid at all. Oh. Like he... he, You know, it was just one of those gigs, again, that I had to, you know, still work uh, in restaurants and still do my thing. And then... Um, Pray to God I could make my my rent and everything. And then, um, but I was meeting Joe Walsh from the Eagles, Pink Floyd, oh um, Alice Cooper. I was meeting every rock and roll star you could imagine. I was interviewing them, and I always kept my integrity because I knew one day when I owned my MTV, I could go back to those people I interviewed, and they would interview for me. Okay. On my, my, my network. On your network, yeah. Yes. So that was great. So I ended up working for that company for quite a while um, and getting a couple other gigs, like a golf television series along the way and a bunch of other stuff. So, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was cool. And then, I, and in fact, I later on I invested in the company and now I own part of it. But yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so, so that laid a foundation for the Edge Music Network. That, that's yeah. when you started real, you know, putting all the pieces together. And so like, okay, th th this could be turned into reality you know, by doing, you know, laying this foundation and start working on it towards the vision. Well, yes. And, and there was one, um, during that time with Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, there was one advisor for the Rock Camp. His name was Eric Sherman. And he was uh, the founder of VH1 Classic. And okay. he was in television. So he was like, my God. I was like, oh, man, I got to, you know, pick his brain. And one thing I can tell young entrepreneurs that want to make it, if you meet someone that has been in, been working in the area that you want to be in, you cling on to them as a sponge, but in an elegant way, not not attacking them, but you you tell them your ambitions and your goals. And those people are more more than likely going to spew all of their knowledge out to you because you know they're older and they want they want to share their knowledge. And that's the beauty of a successful person is most of them, you know, want to share their knowledge. They don't just want to be like, hey, I'm successful and rich. The real successful people in life that I've met want to share their knowledge to ensure your success yeah. so i clinged on to this guy and he 
has been my mentor and my now he's my business advisor this this entire time through this and i asked him how do i own mtv i can't afford 50 million <laughs> he goes, yeah. what <laughs> how do i buy that yeah and he goes well you're hosting rock camp what are you talking about like, i really want to own mtv and he's like you're kidding me right <laughs> <laughs> and he he was also president of fuse if you look up eric sherman and you know and then he was you know steven tyler's manager and just you know he's got a great history and so I really looked up to him he said well you you know you need to start off I said I can't afford 40 million dollars to buy Hallmark yeah in France you know because at the time it was linear broadcast which is um which is uh you know a satellite you know that's old school technology right Correct, and, but yeah. it was what people did their digital wasn't even like there but I saw digital as the future so he goes, well, just keep researching what's out there. So literally, I didn't know what to do. So I went and I, I asked some people that I had met through the rock camp. I'm like, how did you learn about TV? Because these were rich people coming into this camp. Some of them were like producers and people like you that got into music and went into different facets of it. And they said, you need to go to these trade shows in Las Vegas and go to like NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. You need to go to C C CES, you know, a technology convention. Yeah. NAM, you know, music, musically, you know, and kind conventions. And so I did. So I went to every single one for year for two years straight. <laughs> On your own dime. <laughs> On my own, yeah, and I course. could not afford it. Staying at like a sixteen dollar <laughs> hotel. <laughs> Just couch surfing or whatever it takes. Whatever. Just just trying to get there. But yet dressing really like, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This story is so funny. And then, uh, you know, everyone would be buying these fancy drinks. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm, I don't want you to buy me a drink. I don't want to owe you anything. Yeah. But I kind of need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, yeah, so I learned that uh, all of a sudden YouTube came out. And this is dating me, honestly, but it's awesome story because I posted one of the first videos on YouTube and I had solved the Rubik's Cube. Oh, okay. In, in science and technology. And at the time, YouTube, you could you could reply on another video. You can't now, but you could reply with a video. So I ended up being this girl, just my head and the Rubik's Cube, nothing else. <laughs> in okay. front of, you know, and I filmed this thing and I put it on YouTube and I got millions of views. I was the number one video on YouTube. And I oh, was wow. like, what? And I couldn't believe it. People were asking me, what are you selling? You know, what I don't understand. You know, why are you so popular? And it was just because I used my mind versus my anything else okay. you know i said you know i i know i just I, instead of exploiting myself as hi you know <laughs> i just I, <laughs> you know hi i'm losing vargas and you <laughs> I, I i said let me solve your room excuse <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so i did and long of the short of it i took the videos down but um because they they the comments were so harsh it was just crazy but at the time you you know youtube was just coming out everyone was going nuts so i realized wow 
at that moment, I knew I couldn't afford Hallmark, but I could afford a website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta start. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah. So that started my journey on digital MTV, and I took down all my videos on YouTube because, you know, I was very young and people were very, you know, commented. You know, I didn't know how to handle all of that in all the strange comments and all the weird people. Yeah. So I just, but I want to focus on my goal. So I just researched YouTube constantly. And um, every time I posted anything, I was number one video. Um, even with Smosh, I don't know if you know those guys from back in the day, but just a bunch of different great groups. And so I said, well, now that YouTube is built, there has to be that technology sitting on the shelf somewhere. Like it's only used once. There's only one YouTube. Yeah. Why is there only one? Where's the technology? And I knew very well I could get it. So long and short of it, um, I spent a few years grabbing technology, learning how to develop myself. Um, I just, I just, I just read business books. I read technology books. I read. I went to every trade show. I did everything. I spent every dime I had, every waking moment, trying to learn how to build a video streaming site at the time. And it wasn't even barely heard of, but YouTube and a couple others. Livestream was available. And then I had to realize that if I was going to you know, build this, I also needed licensing. Then mm -hmm. I had to learn about licensing. You know, then I learned about how expensive lawyers were. I literally spent years learning. Um, and everyone told me I couldn't do it. Constantly. Yeah, like this can't be I, done. You, you don't have the resources for one reason or another. I'm, I'm sure it's just like, no, no, just do something. Well, and, and what were you doing at the time, you know, to, to, just, to just to live by? So during the time I had met a gentleman who uh, ended up being um, my long, long time friend partner. And he, um, he would help me on occasion here and there with certain things. But um, I was working in restaurants. I was selling um, items online. Uh, I was um, working with other companies to sell their products online. You know how they say, you know, get rich quick at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of those companies. Um, Just, you know, I just pretty much scraped by any little business I could think of. Um, I would host events and make, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Um, I would, long and short of it, I did a lot of, of soul searching on and, and, and my, my integrity level of, of selling, I would go to work at trade shows and booths, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything I could think of. It's just um, hustling, hustling. I mean, just, yeah, yeah, but very was, entrepreneurial. I mean, just yeah, but you know, I never wanted to sacrifice my integrity to make it. So I didn't, you know, I. Mm -hmm. It was a very long road to be in media, and you know, to be a young girl trying to get into it, knowing it was a super high-profile man's world. It was very, very difficult, uh, and it still is to maintain your integrity. But it's doable, and I highly suggest it.
Okay, so. and, and and yeah, that that was going to lead me to uh, you know questions about you know how was uh, you know your your early stage in you know, trying to get into meetings with executives, uh, and those meetings you know, with uh, high power attorneys, and you're you're a young woman. Uh, with you know you only had a network and you were just starting up so so how was that experience um you know i'm not going to say it was a bad experience it was a an experience <laughs> <laughs> they just call it that yeah you know i had i had non balls so i had the female non balls that were the balls and, and i would always walk up i knew that i needed to get meetings with certain people after going to all the trade shows so i would make it a point to bump into those people and no matter where i was i don't care if i was in a restaurant i would know where they were i would seek out my goal uh you know these trade shows and i would i would hand them my card and i'd say hey i'm i'm building a digital mtv And, and it's really funny about that because I actually ran into Bob Pittman, who built founded MTV once, and gave him my card and didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just give you a strange look? I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, uh, "He goes, well, if you ever want to pitch me, fly to New York. I own Pilot Group. So anyway, he's a he's an invest, investor now, but uh, oh, wow. at the time it was hilarious. He's like, "You want to build MTV?" He goes, "Well, I'm Bob Pittman. I built MTV." <laughs> 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 I was like. Oops. Good, I got to the right spot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're the person I want to talk to about. Yeah. So, but it was interesting because they all laughed at me. Um, I, 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 you know, but my mother always told me growing up that the answer is always no, unless you ask, okay. and then the answer could be yes, but it will be no unless you ask, and then you'll know. So. I always just assumed going into these conversations with these high-profile people that, you know, if <laughs> the answers are already no. So if I walk up to them and I'm like, "Can I get a meeting?" and they say no, I didn't lose anything because exactly. it was already a no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your job to turn it into a yes. <laughs> yes, and um, you know, so that's that's what I did, and I got turned down a lot because I wouldn't. You know, the media industry is very. Um, tough as far as male female, uh, oh, okay. you know. There's there's that dynamic there that you have to understand that you know if you meet somebody they're going to want something from you and you got to make sure it's business. Yeah. Uh, so I had a lot of that going on constantly, and I just stuck to my guns, and I was denied a lot of meetings and a lot of things. And I I have to say, I because I I maintained my integrity, I wasn't as far as I wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> but in hindsight now I'm even further. So it was worth it. <laughs> Excellent. And and, and it, so so how do you um start, you know, formally Edge Music Network? I, I mean, when was the initial, you know, foundation? How, how do you make that jump like okay, this is it. I'm forming this company. Uh, you and I think you actually built the the first website. Yes. Yeah. You actually well, coded the website, yeah. Yep. Yep. I did. Um, I finally realized I had the tools, the education, the network, the people aligned, the, the, the followers, the supporters. Uh, I had money people that believed in me. I had followed up with every single person. And that's another thing I want to tell all the listeners, no matter who you meet, 
don't ever burn that bridge, even if they piss you off, because you mm -hmm. never know where they're going to be in the future. Yeah. And number two, always, always, always follow up with every single lead and every person. If they say call me, you call them and make sure you call them at that exact time because yeah. it's very disrespectful to disrespect their time. And then if you're a minute late, they're going to remember that no matter what. And I never Absolutely. was. Yes. Always so. be early. Always <laughs> reply. Yes. Always. Absolutely. And that ended up being my motto through this whole thing. And I got to tell you, countless calls following up with all these people wishing them happy thanksgiving wishing them merry christmas because i truly believed in it but i also wanted them to believe in me and that i that i was always going to follow through and i was always going to take care of business and i was never going to be a flake and that was creating that foundation i felt like i was ready to build edge i felt like everyone now knew i was serious it took me years to convince everybody that this was doable. That this was doable. And I said, okay, I'm ready. And I ended up getting some uh, investments and some funding from uh, friends and family. And uh, it was substantial. Um, I ended up getting a couple million. And, and your first uh, round. Wow. <laughs> my Very first round. impressive. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. And um, started building it. So... And then obviously we launched a few years ago and it's been a struggle, but it's been awesome. So what, what has, what has been one of the main struggles now that you mentioned that, or, you know, it, it, have you, have you encountered any failure, failure even here or in the past that, that gave you an important lesson? You know, failure is definitely, you know, they say it's not an option. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the saying, but failure is an option and you should fail. Because yeah. when you do fail, you learn what not to do the next time. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's an expensive MBA. Yeah. Well, we, I call them expensive yeah. MBAs. Yeah. You know, I definitely um, have spent more, I'd like to say wasted more money on technology than I should have ever wasted because I had bad, uh, I had, uh, you know, I didn't have the hiring skills I should have had. Uh, so the beginning of Edge Music was great, but I had a lot of people that saw my pocketbook and realized I had raised a lot of money mm -hmm. and said, oh, I'm just going to charge her this. And I didn't know the, the going rate for specific items. Okay. And so I guess at the beginning, I really got ran over by technology companies taking advantage of my naiveness coming into how to build a platform itself. And I wasted at least... I wasted the first two million, like literally gone for nothing. Oh, wow. And I had to rebuild the, and I almost went out of business um, because one fraudulent company, I had hired a, a CTO and it turns out he was paying himself and stealing all the money from the company, oh, like gosh. bleeding me dry. And so when I found that out, uh, I had a choice. I either go out of business or I let go of my entire team. And this was two years into it. Yeah. Because we hadn't launched yet. This was just building it. Oh, my gosh. And so I either let go. And we were just signing with Universal Music Group. I mean, this is like the worst moment of my life. <laughs> and, when you can uh, almost taste it. And, and it's I, like these, these morons are about to just crumble everything. Well, I, yeah. had, uh, I, had, I had given my heart and soul and everything into getting this Universal Music contract because nobody had it. And I knew I could get it. 
I said, you know, YouTube and Vivo can't be the only people to distribute these music videos. Yeah. And with the music videos, I can create MTV because I have content. Content was king. Co- I had, correct. you know, great attorneys. I had great foundations. I had sold Jean-Paul DeJore, the billionaire, to come into my company because 10% goes to charity. I had the whole platform ready. I had Universal ready to sign. And then I found out that my CTO was a fraud. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that we were broke. Literally the week I was supposed to sign with Universal. <laughs> Unbelievable. So so now you so have a decision. I, yes, to so like, well, you know, you're on a, a cross path. Yeah, so I I made the decision to sign with Universal on my own with only a few key members of my team, and I let everybody go, and I shut the office down. Okay. And no one knew it. So I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And no investor was going to give me any more money because I had just blown up all to build a platform. Correct. Holy. And so, so, so how do you rebuild from that? Oh my God, um, this was an. So, I leveraged every single because I had had such a nice chunk of money in the beginning. I had high value credit cards. Okay. I, and so I leveraged every single dime I had from every single area I could possibly think of. I sold everything, everything. And I put every dime into making sure my team was paid, my contracts were paid. Universal was a huge amount of money. I mean, we're talking, you don't even want to know. And in fact, I can't, <laughs> I can't disclose it, but okay. the licensed content from Universal, Sony and Warner is millions. And so I, I literally was not playing with just little old me. It was me and my, you know, me and, and these big, it's like David and Goliath. Yeah. And I just said, I, I literally would cry every day. I would come home and just so mentally exhausted that I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't admit that I had failed this bad that mm-hmm. I'd hired this fraud. He was a felon actually. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe it. And um, so I talked to some advisors and I just said, what do I do? And they said, this is what you got to do. I minimized my overhead. My burn rate was around $150,000 a month to keep the company up. I brought it down to about $30,000 a month, uh, got rid of my office. I went lean and mean. I ended up taking my development overseas to India. Sorry, America, but I had to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? understandable. You, you, you got to survive. Sorry, America, you're too expensive. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I actually, I fired, obviously, my CTO. I had to learn. A CTO is chief technology officer. I had to learn how to do it yeah. myself. And let me tell you what, hon. <laughs> um, that was the longest year of my life because I had was an education learning mode because if I didn't know how to do it, I couldn't hire anyone else that could do it right. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned the ins and the outs and the cracks and the T's and the I's of my company. And then I realized, and then I was ready to go out and raise more money because I had gotten by with the universal contract. We were ingesting all the videos and we're talking terabytes of content. The platform was ready to go. And then I realized that the platform that the guy built was all stolen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He stole all the technology from another company. 
Wow. So, so it's now intellectually you're... property that I paid for, but it wasn't even mine. It was owned by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally put my head down and I just went, like, should I put my head in the sand? <laughs> or should I just run away? <laughs> like an ostrich. Should I run away? Should I shut down? How do I admit this to my investors? How do I admit this to my team members? How do I admit any of this? It's humiliating. And, of course, the media... You know, we'll eat it alive if they found out. Yeah. You know? And so um, now it's interesting. But so what I ended up doing was I, I just finally came out with it, just told people I had to disclose it. And in my surprise, I was completely supported by every single person around me. Wow, that's was, just amazing. It was the most beautiful moment of my life to realize that I wasn't apparently the only one that that had happened to. It happens to about 30 to 40% of startup technology business owners. Okay, wow. That's that's a staggering number. That's scary. Staggering yes. number. And it's scary that, that, that they're able to get away with it. So I was supported and I ended up getting another round of funding, a small round, enough to keep me at, at bay. And my other half bought me, you know, my suits, my boy, my man at the time, you know, so I could go in and look good. You know, I, I had this system that I was, I had put together and the biggest part of it was that I had people around me that believed in me. And it was all because I actually genuinely cared about them and I wanted them to be successful around me. So we together worked as this team to try and make it. And we, we ended up relaunching a few years ago and you know, I raised a bunch more capital and here we, and, and, and it was great. We launched, um, our, you know, slowly, but surely, uh, we ended up, uh, obviously working with universal music, who has been an angel to me, um, ended up ingesting their entire library. I ended up working with two short studios, every, every artist that I know is willing to help me out. And so, as far as interviews. And so what we've done is I built an, uh, my first phase of technology development was to have iOS, Android, Apple TV, web app, so that it was fully accessible on any device anywhere and in global. I wanted to be able to have a Latino channel. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, Impressive. well, we're still building, but, you know, and and I want to be able to get the videos from different countries and especially, you know, like obviously in India, in Dubai, and a bunch of other nations that couldn't really distribute their music anywhere. Mm -hmm. I could distribute it through my network. So my first phase was to build that, and I did. And I actually just completed that entire phase last month. Oh, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, and this is years I mean, said like ups and downs, and <laughs> yes, and you know, and and um, so we ended up, you know, obviously we have ad revenue, we have subscription revenue, we have a revenue model within the system, but it's still not the MTV I want, right? There's yeah. still not um, the charity aspect is still lingering. Like, when are we going to start, you know, in the green where I can start giving back, right? Correct. Because the whole model was 10% goes to charity, no matter what. So if, you know, if it was a $10 subscription, $1 went to charity. If I had a million users a month and they're each paying $10, that's a million dollars a month to charity times yeah. 12. That's 12 million a year I can give back. 
So wow, that's 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 incredible. And and are you betting uh, or you know vetting those um, charities or who's uh, how do you pick them? We ha we don't have them yet because we're not in the red. I mean, oh, we're not on, in the green. On, the, on the green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and and what we're doing though is because we have I, I built a substantial analytic database and reporting system. I know exactly what we've made. And so when we do launch that phase of the company, which is the 10% gives back fully, when it's fully ready to go, we're going to be having um, a specific group working within Edge that's going to vet those charities. And we're going to have charity awards, just oh, like wow. you'd have music yeah, yeah, awards. Yeah. So, you you know, you obviously have to give back. You can't take it and give it to your CEOs. Absolutely. You know, there's gonna be, yeah. you know I want to see you helping people. I want to see people fed. I want to see countries helped, things like that. So ultimately, the platform will have so much money to give back that it will be a huge blessing. And when I pass away in the future, it will continue to give back. And that's my goal. So, yeah. It's no, that's be. fantastic. That's that, that's pretty exciting. And, and you know, I, I was looking at the at the platform. Uh, what, what I like the most, and maybe you, you can tell us a little bit about you know you know if I'm an artist, how exactly that that works. But it's the um, a more equal distribution of the revenue from the uh, you know for the artist instead of you know the 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 rest of the supply chain, if we call it that. Yep. Yes, it's called the ninety ten split. Yeah, the ninety ten <laughs> split. Of yeah. Giving 10% to the artist, we give 90% to the artist. Because that, that's what, you know, a lot of people don't know, but they, they assume that the artist is just like swimming in money. But in the reality, that's what ends up, it used to end up happening. The, the artist only made a little fraction of the actual cost um, of, the, of the revenues. Uh, yes, that is one thing that I learned. Um, and I have to be careful what I say because every single major company like starts with an S, ends with a Y. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can get a million, 10 million streams and make three cents. Oh, wow. You know, and so it never made sense to me how these wonderful artists are being streamed and none of them are making any money. Yeah. And then I realized it's because the platforms have such a high burn rate that for them to even make a dime, you know, they need to make 10 million a year, 20 million, 30 yeah. million. 40 million. But guess what? Little old me and my small little, you know, 14 people team, <laughs> we, you know, we don't need, I, you know, we don't need that huge overhead. I'm a, I'm the CEO. I don't pay myself a million and a half a year. You know, I don't, yeah. we don't need that burn rate to be so high. So we can give the artists back the money. And I feel the artists are the ones suffering from streaming today, and I don't think any of the major companies care at all. No, 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 no. And, and and you're absolutely right because we, um, you know, I talked to a, a lot of them, and right now they're they're still scrambling. You know, the, the the all business models out out the window, and they don't know how to monetize on digital. So that's yeah. where companies like yours and you know, like mine, you know, and Clicka, that's where we try to bridge that gap, or or at least you know, try to tell them like these are the sources of revenue now in the digital world. Well, and have you noticed in your company? Well, in, in my instance, you know, I've noticed that I'm constantly people are trying to shut me down because they don't want me to pay the artist. They because if I change the model around where they get ninety percent, I get ten. Because all I need is 10% to run my company. Mm -hmm. 
It's a game changer. Yeah, of course. It's a game changer. Yeah. And, you know, going out and trying, because right now I'm, I'm raising round two. And what I've noticed is that <laughs> nobody wants to give me any money because they're like, well, we've got a small investment in this company and this is their model and it's working for us as investors. I see. Yeah. yeah they don't want to shoot themselves in the food. Yeah. Correct. So it becomes an issue. And, you know, so I found myself once again in the position going, okay, now I need to manipulate the situation in a positive way to where I spin it for investors. Like, look, I've got to find a specific investor that wants to give back that isn't in it for the money. Hedge funds, um, venture capitalists, all those guys. It's just about the dollars. It's transactional. Just, You're right. Yeah. It's very transactional, which is, you know, I totally get, I understand, and I, I respect it. But those aren't our, you or, or my investors. They, no. they won't. No, and no, friends no, no. and family are your closest bet. And that's why I said following up with people that you meet, you never know in the future if they're actually going to be your investor or not. Which exactly. Two of mine are. So. <laughs> or, or open an, an, another yeah. door for you. Yeah. They may not be, yeah. but they, they may have the, the right contact. But there's got to be a way, there's got to be, and I'm hoping it's my system, and even if it's not my system, paving the way for a 90-10 split to the artist is huge. That's what yep. it should be. The artist should be getting the 90%. They should be the ones giving to charity. Absolutely. They should be the ones that pick their charity to give to. Not not these big companies, not me, you know, but to switch this whole model into – to, to bring it to the forefront and say, look, uh, you know, streaming platforms of the world, I'm giving them 90%. Yeah. You know how much pushback I've gotten? No, I, a, I, lot I, of, a lot of publications won't even publish my, my your, articles. Your name, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. They're like, forget it. Let's just shut this one down and shut her up because that's the model that it should be. So... If I, you know, even if I, for some reason, don't succeed in this, in this vision, in this, this goal of, of the artist um, making that money, somebody will because it will happen. And it's, it, there's a turning point right now. Vivo is shutting its doors. And yeah. there's a reason. Because YouTube just took over. And now the artist is really screwed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they're... They're, no, I agree. And, and what I see is that you're democratizing the music industry. You're bringing it back to the people. And like you said, the people that matter, the people that are create the creators, mm -hmm. the artists, yeah. not the owner of the platform or the distribution. That's that's a thing of the past. And it's just like, you know, they're, they're trying to just control and, and keep the power for a little while longer. But it should, you well, know, now with it, with it, with social media, with uh, digital, we have to assume that we have control of our product. That's a hundred percent true, and and that's the digital side of it. But for Edge, we just now got into creating our own content, so we're going to be doing a lot more music news, and we're going to have um, videos distributed all over, including YouTube, okay. regarding this exact issue. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to interview artists everywhere. We just started this whole phase of our, now that we've got all the technology, now we're going to start on our music news, you know, like MTV used to have, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our first phase of building our MTV is the music news. Now that we got content, we got videos, we've got a platform, we got everything. We know that the artist isn't getting paid. Well, now let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to be doing that and it's going to probably piss off a lot of people, but 
you know, no one ever made it in life without pissing off someone. <laughs> hey, you, we got to disrupt. Yeah. If you're not disrupting, you're not doing anything in life. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And the, the artist is the most important because they create the music that we love. They create the emotion yes. during all our memories. They create everything that we everything that we are in our souls. When it comes down to it, there's not one person that I've ever met that dislikes music. No, absolutely not. Some sort of music or another, but um, and yeah, and again, it, we should start by educating the people. Like the artist is not is not getting paid. We should feed him. And there's no way that the artist is going to be able to change it because it, it's kind of like a codependent person on another person. Yeah, you just kind of do what that person says because you know they're feeding you the money. Exactly. You know, it, it just doesn't work. It's it's not it's not um, sustainable. You you have to switch the model. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and and you know, in the past they controlled the distribution. That's why you have to go, but now yeah. distribution is open, or it should be open. It should okay. That's a good point that you're saying. It should be open, but it's not, and it's, it's going to be a yet. fight. Yes. Um, and if I go under doing it, guess what? I'll just start another company that does. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, whatever. I have. I'm. I'm pretty young, so I've got years ahead of me. So go ahead and knock me out. I'm gonna wake back and we'll up. start <laughs> open. Yes. Yeah. And and if if there's you know we have listeners and you know other founders. I mean, we we can create a powerhouse of people that have tried to disrupt. And if we fail, I mean, we can get together and you know just do amazing things. Yes. A hundred hundred million percent. So we have, and, that, and that's what we're trying to build here, also in the network and the, in the Latino Founder Hour. Just putting the resources together, and I, I'm just taking notes. And I have a couple of connections for you as well. I'm, I'm you know, you're extremely well connected, but it's it's never for more. But I'm, I'm just very excited about what you're doing. I think you're doing an amazing job, and I understand your business um, model like, per perfectly on the standpoint of the artist. And I think I, I, I'm really hoping that you succeed and you take this to the moon. Well, thank you. I it's good to hear. So call me anytime because you know that positive energy. I need I need it flowing through my brain. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. And then and the next time I hope I'm, I'm you know we have this conversation in Newport Beach and 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 you know just you know having a cup of coffee or something. But uh, we'll be really excited to to meet you in person and also have you in, maybe next year in the show see where you know where you are. What has happened in the in the meantime with the um, Edge Music Network? And in the meantime, I really want to appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Uh, thank you. It's been a great conversation. I, we we could keep going and, and going, but we only have an hour. And I, I don't know if you have anything else. Where, where can we follow you, Elizabeth? Um, you can follow us at Edge Music Network on Instagram. On Twitter, it's Edge Music N T W K, and on Facebook, it's Facebook.com forward slash Edge Music Network. Um, and obviously Edge Music on uh, Snapchat, even though they're going down. <laughs> uh, we're, so, yeah. And it's, it's available on all platforms, Apple, Android, and web, obviously. Yes, and we're launching our new um, Android and iOS app. Actually, we just launched the Android and iOS app last week. There's a few bugs in it. We're working them out, so have a little patience with me. All right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and the Apple TV is great. You don't have to airplay it to your TV anymore. You can literally just open your Apple TV, download my app, and you can get all of your music videos from there. 
Um, and it's a very so, well curated app, by the way. It's, I, I love the interface. I love the flow. So it's um, congratulations to your team. I mean, it's it's fantastic. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Oh, and I did want to say one thing live. If I ha there's any great Latino DJs that would love to run a channel, let me know. I need some referrals. <laughs> we will get you some referrals. I do. We do know some. I, do, do they have to be specifically in, the, in California? No, they just need to know their music. They need to know old school, new school, uh, up and coming, and indie. They just need to know their music inside and out. And they, you know, one thing that I can't do is I can't do it all. All right. <laughs> so I. <laughs> We got homework to do, so we will get you that info for sure. Awesome, awesome. Thank you no, so you much, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. Elizabeth Vargas, CEO of Edge Music Network from Newport Beach, California. Thank you, everybody. Happy Friday. Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and look forward Thank to you. meeting you in person. Thank you. Can't wait to see you guys. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good luck to you. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Media relations, Publicize handles all communication with the media and any content required to do this. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar send you. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist. You may not realize it, but you already have the one thing that sets your business apart, a phone. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Ruby Receptionist, making small business dreams come true, one call at a time. Visit Call ruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. Tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. Happy Friday. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardenas. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero.